friends, and welcome to this most special edition of a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rolling Master Style. There's green jackets. There's pimento cheese. My birdie buddies, this is the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Couple three balls going out today. Masters style, just how you want it, my par-saving pals. Joining me as always, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. We're going to kick off today's show with a very special guest. And then later on, we're going to have Justin Ray because we cannot have a major podcast without Justin Ray coming in to drop some intelligence on us on the eve of the event and help us try and pick some winners, a little return on investment. But let's go ahead and kick off the first tease wide open. This three ball is going to get going. And I'll tell you who this guest is as soon as we hit a couple down the middle here. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's fairway rolling presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors with over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance and with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts. On the line. I mean, he's got a lot. He wears a lot of hats. He's co-host of the Mismatch podcast. He's co-host of the Ringer NFL show with Warren Sharp. He's his daily grind. He's doing the daily show for Grind City. Media, but the reason that Chris Vernon is on this podcast is today is because his master's updates have become a matter of national importance. So much so, four-time major winner Brooks Kepka earlier this week hit Verno up. Say, hey, Verno, we, we can't wait to see what you got in store. No, no pressure on you, Chris Vernon. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh... It Do you mean a, that? It is a yeah, yeah. No, it's a pressurized week to say the least. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, you would not believe. I uh, wish I got. Uh, I could 
uh, flip this around so you guys could see since we're, we're looking at each other, the amount of boxes that are on my front porch right now that have been ordered um, from Amazon.com and other different places uh, as to prepare for this moment. I mean, look, we I am I am nervous, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, let's say Hootie and the Blowfish, right? I, I'm going to I'm going to make sense of this. Hootie and the Blowfish uh, came out with Cracked Rear View when we were all like in like high school, right? And Hootie and the Blowfish, for anybody that lived like in South Carolina or the South or anywhere else, they were like, oh, yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish. Like we've been hearing this for like the last 10 years. They've been going around. They've been playing. They played my college. They played my fraternity. They played in my buddy's house. They played whatever, right? Then they became like mega, mega like famous and everybody kind of knew about them. And then it would be like uh, Hootie and the Blowfish and somebody uh, was like super excited that they were going to uh, like have to play the Grammys or something. And then they're like, hey, are you guys like crazy nervous? And they would kind of be thinking like, I've been doing it for like 10 years. And so uh, you guys just heard about it, right? So the Masters, we've been doing these updates for like 10 years. So I'm not scared of doing the updates. Um, am I cognizant of the amount of eyeballs on it that were not on it ever before? Yes. um am i am i aware that they have to be good that we have to deliver yes uh but uh when we've been doing it for a long long time it was a radio bit a long time ago and it's always gotten great response i just needed the worst year in the history of the world to take place <laughs> to, to have a take up. and everybody to be inside yeah. and wanting to laugh. And lucky for me, it's still going on. <laughs> I'm the only one that's benefiting from this besides, besides like people that like bought a bunch of stocks. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, usually you do uh Thursday and Friday and it's, 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 I think it's just one update each day or do you have a couple? Yeah, we'll day? do, we'll do at least two. Okay. Th- we'll do two Thursday. We'll do two Friday. Yeah. We okay. always do Thursday, Friday. Yeah. The weekend is out. Yeah. I mean, I always, yeah, and in fact, like it's funny, no one ever cared about the weekend ones <laughs> until the one blew up in the fall. And then I had to explain to people, like, we've got that, we've got the studio and there's like, you know, five or six people on there with me, all of which, like, we all have other jobs too. And including our, like, which is basically like a TV producer, because we got like robotic cameras in there. And so in order for me to say, hey, uh, we need to go in there on the weekend, we need to do this, I need to get like six people to give up their weekends. Um, right. I mean, I guess and the benefit would be like, hey, maybe if we sell some T-shirts, I'll split it with you. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we, I kind of feel like by the time we get to the weekend also, like there's sometimes where less is more. And yeah. that when we leave it, like I'm not- You got to leave them wanting that's yeah. it. Sure. Keep them hungry. I, that's Keep right. them hungry. 
I'm not going to screw anything up. I don't want anybody to be like by Saturday, Sunday, be like, man, this is played out. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> look, right. eventually people are going to turn on me. Like that's the way the world works, right? Like eventually it's going to get turned on some way. Somehow. Oh, there'll be some, there'll be somebody out there. You mark my words. There'll be somebody out there that'll be like, when we drop it, it'd be like, Oh yeah, celebrating a tournament uh, that's played in a state where they can't even, you know, where they're yeah. trying to keep people from voting. I'll be like, okay, uh, like, I don't yeah, know, I don't uh, know what. I, I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun. Well, my I, my only advice is, and 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 I'm going to ask you a, a question about the content in a second. My only content advice is just don't get any of Paul Pierce's dancers in, as long as oh. you don't get any of the. Oh, as long dude. as. Or do <laughs> hey, well, yeah. look, you are in the dirty South. Oh, you are down there in Memphis. That, that, that's right. I mean, it's I, funny. I, there was just a clip that my, uh, somebody from my show put on. Cause Tony Allen was on with me today. And I led the show with that. I was like, when this is all over, we're getting on a plane. We're going to LA. And you've got to get me into a Paul Pierce party. <laughs> 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 I was like, I mean, they're like gambling, getting their shoulders rubbed. I'm like, my party sucks. It's a yeah. new bucket list item for sure. Yeah. It's a new bucket list item. No, but, it, but it's funny you say that because you know what it makes me think of is oddly, I have gotten over the course of the past six months a lot of people sending me, they either tweet me videos or they send them. Like I just got one on Instagram two days ago from some lady who sent me a video of her child who is like three years old that watches it on YouTube and is like bumping along. And I get a lot of these with the kids because the parents are watching it and then the kids end up loving it because it's a guy screaming and there's dancing mascots. Yes. So yeah. they love the mascot. It's like yeah. the Muppet show. Yeah. So I am aware of that more so than I was in the past. Like the one that got like the first time it got really big was mm, it's several years ago now. And I remember Spencer Hall wrote about it and Wright Thompson and Dan Wetzel and then GQ wrote about it. Mm -hmm. And that was just the radio version. There was no video because this was, I mean, it's a long time ago now. And in fact, oddly, Wright Thompson texted me this morning this morning, not to name drop, but he texted me this morning doing lines off Paulina because that was one of the lines. Well, that was one of your lines. <laughs> that I, yeah, yes. that I was yelling, yes. doing lines off Paulina. <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing that I probably won't do now because I don't want kids. No, uh, look, okay, so let's talk about it's 2021. We have the kind of cultural moment that, that we have. There's lots of inspiration out there. From the golf world and otherwise. Now, I never would ask a magician to reveal the, the the secrets to his tricks, but maybe you can tease us. Maybe there's something out there that you have lined up here that you could tease us with. Well, here, look, hold on. I, I I've been working on this for a long time. Let me pull up my notes on my uh, on my thing. You can see I've got it lined as ma uh, you guys can't see. It's just master's updates at the top. Uh, who? Let's see. Uh, oh, we don't, God. we don't have Charlie. Oh, dude, Hoffman. Dude, dude. We don't have Charlie. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh, yeah, of course he's in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of them that are, uh, that are, uh, Oh, Patrick Reed is getting it. Okay. There we go. Yeah, there yeah, we yeah. go. There's there one. we go. There's oh, one. Yeah. 
There's yeah. one for. I mean, he got it pretty bad last year with the yeah. uh, always cheating, always eating. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, that, I love that. We got Fat Pat. <laughs> You know, one of the things we've been talking about on the podcast here over the last uh, five, six weeks, a lot of these boys who got themselves physically fit have gone ahead and let it go in 2021. Yeah. Everybody's finding the, the 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 table. You know what I mean? I'm trying to see who are the new guys that are in it. Homer's in it now. He's got to get a shout out. Yeah. Is Daniel Berger? I, I yes. Guess. Yes. Daniel Berger's no, no, no. in. No, but I feel like he's he's not all the time. He didn't play in the in the fall one because okay. he hadn't qualified. He wasn't he hadn't won in the previous year, and he and he hadn't wasn't in the world official world golf ranking top fifty. But his, his win, he's got two wins now um, since the the restart. So he's a hundred percent in for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I noticed his name was on there. I mean, I tried to jot down names that I uh, that I did not recognize from prior updates that we've done in the hopes that they will be there. And I just saw my man Brooks Kepka put out, I mean, perfect timing because he's playing at like 10. Oh, man. On, oh, so you're going to have an update. Oh, our updates are at noon. Yeah. Like they start at like noon central. So, I mean, yeah. I, that, that was lucky. For, that's his <laughs> Thursday tea time. Ferno, you're showing us your phone. Is there a writer's room that works on this, or is this you and your phone putting together these segments? No, it's just me. And it's th those are just like ideas, like something so like something that has happened in the past or something that rhymes that over time, you know, uh, came up with. But generally, that stuff that's uh, and you're doing this live, you get one shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when when it's like Some when we're eight miles shit. The lot, the leaderboard is pulled up. So like, there's a lot of this stuff that I won't use, but I will have it. And I try to like commit some of it to memory as to in the case that this guy is up there, then I will. Now I've got something right. I've got something to be able to holler about if that guy happens to be up there, but inevitably there will be people up there that I'm not expecting to be. And they end up leading to the, to the best ones. Like the, I'm trying to think you missed out on not using jazz Jane Wannan on last year, but it's usually, <laughs> I, really I wanted you the, to find a run. I'm <laughs> usually there just at the top of the leaderboard. So it was a really perfect storm last year with tiger doing so great at the beginning. Yeah. Um, the one that I remember that turned out great response wise, but that I had nothing. And my the best one that I feel like we I got on the fly was the um there's two. The first one is Paul Casey always smiling. Yes. Because it's all I could think about when I heard when I heard his <laughs> name, right? So Paul Casey always smiling, which interestingly enough, I'm minding my own business in the fall, and I get a tweet that says Paul Casey always smiling, like in all caps. And it's like uh, a response to some leaderboard that was taking over. In, I think it was in Europe. Uh, he's playing over, he's, or maybe it was Saudi, or he was playing. So he won somewhere, right? And it was friggin' Trevor Himmelman, a <laughs> Masters champ himself. And I'm like, dude, no, no. <laughs> um, so the Paul Casey always smiling. And then the other one, which uh, I've explained this once on an interview this week uh, to somebody else, but the the funniest is, and this came up this past weekend because I get tons of the the charlie hoffman stuff um and 
the odd part about that is when we did the updates, you know, hundred years ago, we w- one of the first years that we did it, um, where it had gotten bigger and bigger, he was in first, and we had no idea. I, I mean, I didn't know who Charlie Hoffman was, so I'm yelling, "Charlie Hoffman's five under! Charlie Hoffman's five under! Charlie Hoffman's five under!" It's one of the only times I've ever like broken in the middle of it and we got to the end and i said who the hell is charlie hoffman right (laughs) and my producer starts laughing and then we just ended the bit but we came back the next year and he was there again right because i'm doing the thursday friday leaderboard so he was there and then we did it the next year it sucks he did not win last week he really should have been there for you so he was there he was there he was there so last year, uh, in the fall, when I yelled, where the hell is Charlie Hoffman? I had no idea he was not playing in the match. <laughs> <laughs> I only, that was a reference to the leaderboard, right? Because every year when we do it, he's there. So when I start yelling, where the hell is Charlie Hoffman? It's because he's not on the screen. That I'm, I mean, I've gotten used yeah. to it. It's yeah, been like, of right. course, because he's he's one of those guys always on the Thursday leaderboard. That's right. Every year it. I'm yelling, Charlie Hoffman's blank under. That's yeah. It. So when I look down and he's not on there, I start uh, yelling, where so the hell is it's Charlie? the accidents that are the best part. And then, and then it's become, that's become a thing now. Yeah. How, how are you going to measure success of this thing? SVP said it melted the clubhouse. You have yeah. golfers tweeting at you. What does success this year look like? I would say that uh, that people look uh, that people are excited. That's to me like uh, that people have fun with it and that people smile like, you know, what I mean, that, that people it makes people happy. Honestly, like uh, to me, there like that's go. why we do it anyway. Like I don't I don't care about there's no amount of money I'm going to make off the thing. And there's no like amount of views that's going to I mean, that stuff. To me, that stuff is intensely fleeting. But if as long as I don't let people down and I feel like people loved them, as long as people love them, then I'll, I'll be I'll be glad um, because at this point, I mean, there'll probably be people that will be like, oh, I didn't like it as much as last year's. Or what, I mean, I look, that's inevitable. But the majority of people have always been insanely cool about them and again we're just trying to goof around so the fact that if it comes around and and people like them as long as people like it as long as people think it's funny so tell everybody again where can they find it on thursday at chris vernon show and it's the grind city media feed on on youtube and then we'll have well i mean look as soon as that show's over or probably before the show's over they'll have Clips posted. It'll be That's on right. our feeds. That's you know, right. Like, It'll be on our feeds like we too. did last year. Yeah, the Ke- uh, the Kepka thing was friggin' crazy though. I mean. <laughs> Well, I, that's I, that's insane. Is he your pick? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to let you go, but but who's the pick? Who's oh, I want I want him to win. Uh, you yeah. us too, right? What are you talking about? I, look, I'm either I I want a story. I'm a narrative guy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like really a couple stories. Either somebody busts through that just has not done it like a Finau, like a Xander constantly second place. But now they kind of, you know, they, they've accomplished this life's dream and forget these other tournaments where they keep on coming up in second. They, they've won the friggin' masters. The other ones would be those 
you've got the Brooks on one leg. You know, I love speed and this mm-hmm. return to form and Valero. And if that was like the all the way back, like he is back to Jordan speed, top, whatever high player in the world with all that charisma and everything, that would be amazing. And the other one, which is be just, just because it would be insane would be Rory because like, it would be the one time where no one in the world is picking Rory McIlroy to do anything. And there's going to be more people picking him to miss the cut. I mean, you're you're never going to get Roy McElroy unless he gets hurt or or something. He's at, available right this second at nineteen to one on on Fanduel. I mean, that's an insane price. He we haven't seen that price for him in 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 a decade. Look at Spees. My 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 producer bet Spees thirty to one, not long ago. Yeah, right. And, he, he's and on what's it eleven. 11. Yeah. Yeah. Could be the way to do it. I know one thing that's even money, and that is Chris Vernon <laughs> on, on Thursday and Friday with some Masters hey. updates. Hey, not easy to find something that rhymes with speech, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a couple <laughs> ideas, but I, they're probably unmentionables. <laughs> send them my send them my way. <laughs> All right, <laughs> homie. We appreciate you. Good luck this week. We'll be looking for it. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. See, see you, Vernon. Thanks, Vernon. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, Power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. 
And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, my birdie buddies. As we said at the top, if it's a major week, then we have to have our major homie, the big ticket himself, Justin Ray, head of content at the 15th Club, on to help us map out a strategy for picking a winner, maybe some top 10s, maybe some top 20s, some scoring props. We're just going to get down deep into this Masters and try and explore the analytical space a little bit. JR, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? It's Masters week. How can you not be fired up? I mean, I'm on the t- I'm on on cloud nine. I'm on a pimento cloud right now. Um, there speaking you go. Of, of pimento clouds, you have been working your ass off already. You know, we're recording this on the Tuesday of Masters week. It'll be up on the Wednesday of Masters week, so that all of our eagle enthusiasts out there can have your insights to to use in building their lineups and so forth. But Besides this, I know you're doing some stuff with the athletic, with the Action Network. Tell, tell all the all the good people out there what you're working on. Yeah, you can find my work every week on PGATour.com. I write for them every week. Uh, uh, this week, I dove into my strokes gain total database of all time at the Masters. I really was really pleased that that turned out. Uh, Ten notes to know is going to live on the Athletic this week. After every round, uh, be sure you subscribe to the Athletic. Um, uh, the Action Network is a place you can find me week in week out. Uh, I'm on the Gimme with Jason Sobel and Amanda Rose, and then I've got some preview content there. Um, Making Birdies with Ryan Burr this is another podcast. That's a new podcast, podcast, right? Yeah, Lord. yeah. Lost the first one today. A really yeah. great conversation with Trevor Immelman on that too, um, which is great. Really encourage everybody to check that out. Um, and then at Justin Ray Golf, I'll be churning out uh, notes and info, and hopefully some insights to help you uh, make some good picks and make some money this week. And you know, even if you're not. If you're not of the betting ilk, you, it'll hopefully add to your enjoyment. Well, it sounds like you've done all the work already. So what's the headline? What matters this week? So the number one thing that I look at going into Augusta National is the players with the best strokes gained approach. The last five times this golf tournament has been held in April, the player to lead in strokes gained approach has an average finish of 1.8. So mm. pretty indicative. Um, it's... You know, I know conversationally, we always talk about the green complexes at the Masters and how, you know, experience matters and learning the contours and where you've got to leave a, a, a first putt and, you know, how stu- tough it is around the greens. The reality is this is the definition of a second shot golf course. There's really no penalizing rough to speak of anywhere on the course. And approach play is usually what dictates who the winner is. And recently, Do the years- conditions matter? The fact that they're different this year, does that change how people perform on that metric? Um, maybe a little bit. Um, I like one thing that I will skew a little bit towards this week, if it plays tougher. I mean, I don't think it's going to be set up like the last two years. No way. No chance. They're the two lowest scoring averages in the history of the masters. There's no way they let it happen a third year in a row. So I'm th- if you're thinking something closer around 2016, when Danny Willett won 2017, when Sergio won and played a little tougher, well, Danny finished first that week in strokes gain approach, and Sergio, mm-hmm. I think, was in the top five when he won in strokes gain approach, and he had a great driving week too. So um, I think that getting up and down maybe a little more 
uh, a little more important. Um, you know, maybe not to the rate that Patrick Reed did. He was chipped and putted out of his mind when he won. Um, but yeah, no, it, unfortunately, it's, it's a little bit tougher. It's not going to be a dartboard. It's not going to be 20 under, you know, Sung JM and Cam Smith, 15 under. It's, I don't think it's going to look like that from a scoring perspective, but the truth is this is a second shot golf course and typically approach play is the biggest indicator of success here. Yeah. So let me pick up on that conditions question that. The indication we've had from folks that we've talked to in the last 10 days or so um, was this, uh, you know, resounding unanimous uh, observation that it is playing firm and fast and the greens are as hard as anybody has ever encountered them. And, you know, we looking at the forecast, we're wondering if there was any going to be any mother nature rain coming in to perhaps soften things. Now, when we were talking at the end of last week, it looked like maybe no rain. Now, possibly Friday, it looks like there could be some rain in the forecast. Now, as you think about, I want to get to, you know, because there's always a scoring prop. I haven't seen it up yet in the books. uh, And I wonder if they themselves are thinking about, you know, trying to factor in that weather. But what, what would you sort of circle with, uh, you know, the anecdotal observation. And I know you guys have some folks on the ground there. So you're getting firsthand reports of how hard the surfaces are, how hard the greens are, what impact the rain might have. How's that? What, what kind of number are we looking at out of the winter potentially? So I think that rain in the forecast, um, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I think it's going to play difficult regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm I'm looking at somewhere, nothing crazy, but somewhere in the range of between like nine and 11 under par okay. to win. I think that's more of what we're looking at this week. Um, I just, like I said, the two lowest scoring averages in the history of the tournament over the last two years, they are, it's got to change. There's no way they're going to let that happen for a third year in a row. I think that's a bigger indicator to me going into the week of how the course is going to be set up rather than whether or not it's going to rain, because we all know the unbelievable sub-air system they have. Yeah, they, that's what I was going to say. That thing can dictate, drain. They can, they can yeah. make it play however they want. And, yeah. and I think that I just think that the scoring trends the last couple of years, I know a Masters of November is an aberration in a lot of ways, but I don't think they want to see a guy win at 20 under par at Augusta National. Now, I mean, that's my perception. I could be wrong. Maybe they say we'll tee it up in the lowest score wins and it doesn't bother them to see a ton of birdies. But I think there's some pride there in that golf course and it's going to play more difficult than it has in the past. And I think that the, that the precedent of the previous two years plays a little bit more significant there than the weather conditions. For this tournament, how much does momentum matter? We've had a weird couple of weeks and that obviously San Antonio, a lot of guys took it off. Dell match play was a different kind of tournament. How much do you look at recent form coming into this tournament? I think when you contrast, you know, the question always is form versus course history, right? And I think that if you flip that, course history matters more at Augusta National than maybe any golf course in in professional golf, or at least championship golf. Um, The way the schedule is set up, it skews it to where momentum doesn't mean a lot. Like, I I really like Justin Thomas a lot this week, and the last time we saw him, he got bounced in pool play on a very different type of golf course at Austin Country Club in a tough group. I mean, throw your hands up. I don't think you can learn a lot from that. And then a lot of guys having taken the week off from San Antonio, the Valero Texas Open doesn't set it up the way the old Houston Open did at Redstone, Golf Club of Houston is called now. They would actually set up the golf course to try to prepare – and get conditions similar to Augusta National, 
Valero doesn't, the TPC San Antonio doesn't necessarily do that. So no. well, they got um, three clubs, three club wins whipping around there too. So there's nothing you can do. Right. I, I don't take it. I mean, I would look at more so the body of work over the last three, four months. Mm-hmm. So like what Jordan's, what Jordan Spieth did from the Phoenix open through the week before match play, I take a, as much or more stock in that than I would him if he had gone out and shot 75 Sunday and hadn't won. San Antonio, um, that, that kind of body of work leading up to it. I tend to put a little bit more stock in than maybe like the last couple of events leading into Augusta. Yeah. And there, there are a bunch of those because this is the only major played at the same venue every year. You can create this filter and, and find some common attributes of the folks that have won over the last 10 years, which is not an enormous sample size, but it's a sample size. 10 out of 10 of the winners finished inside the top 30 in at least one of the two events that they played in leading up to the Masters. So, I mean, that that's a, some indication of yeah. form. But like, you know, the, the other kinds of things that are out there, and, and JR, I know that you have your your own cut on some of these. It's going to be somebody aged under 40. I mean, that, that's a that's a 10 out of 10. It's going to be somebody ranked in the top 30 of the world. That That one also across the board. Has a top 25 at Augusta. I mean, we have to mention Fuzzy, Fuzzy Zeller. You can't have a Masters podcast without talking about Fuzzy Zeller being the last person to walk on the grounds and win the tournament the first time. That's on the bingo card. It is. It's a, The it's number a, one on the bingo card would have happened tomorrow, and now it's not the par three contest. Uh, That's the most famous one of all. You're yeah, right, right about that. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you have to have made the cut the year before, and you have to have at least one top five in the season leading up to uh, the event. Now, here's my question to you. Why is it that historically the number one in the world and the defending champion, and this year we, that happens to be the same person, there, there isn't that though. They don't win. They don't, there's no repeat at, at the masters. Well, first of all, it's extremely difficult to do in anywhere in golf. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Of course. That's the biggest thing. And then the strength of the field, um, you know, Dustin kind of took that to task last fall, you know, coming out world number one and, and blowing the field away. But I think it just speaks to the depth at the top of the sport, um, the the amount of really good players. You mentioned top 30 in the world. I think one of the most crazy trends in golf, it seemed like at the beginning of the 2010s, we had like Darren Clark, we had Keegan Bradley come out of nowhere. Um, you know, we haven't had a player outside the top 50 win a major championship since Keegan in 2011. That's a decade. I mean, yeah. that was a crazy run where you haven't had a Sean McKeel or a, you know, a Ben Curtis or somebody like that. Yeah. It just hasn't happened. And I think that speaks to the quality, the depth of the talent at the top of the game right now. Because, I mean, you look at the top of that betting board and there's a few guys, you might have consternations about Bryson, Rory's iron game maybe, but for the most part, you go through those top 15 guys, you're like, yep, I could see him winning. I could see him winning. It's it's tough. It's tough to break through. And then, I mean, you talked about, you know, the number one player in the world doesn't necessarily win major championships here. doesn't win, you know, back-to-back. It's difficult to defend. Yeah, that, that depth at the top, man, it's tough. It's tough to do. If the, if the metric is shots gained approach and you're looking at a body of work, call it in 2021, or maybe starting, starting somewhere in the West Coast swing, is there anybody who pops who isn't, at the first five names, you know, that, that we're all going to think and talk about. Is there anybody from that data who jumps out? 
What's funny is that it, it, it there's kind of twofold there because typically the best players on the PGA Tour are the best iron players. But I see what you're saying in that is there anybody who you may not be thinking of right off the bat? The first name that comes to my mind is Corey Connors. Yes, that's guy who's exactly. contended yeah. a lot. Uh, doesn't have a ton of major championship experience. Hasn't flashed in a major yet. Um, but Strikes his the iron ball. Play, Week in, week out on the PGA Tour. He's one of the best iron players on tour. He led the PGA Tour in greens and regulation a couple of years ago. Um, he's consistently putting himself in a position. You know, I worry about his putting around Augusta National, especially yeah. without experience. But that's the first guy that comes to mind. in terms. D- of- d- does it change? Because Zalatoris has got to be on that list of guys who are striking the ball really well. Does it change the way you think about him as a first-timer? Well, Zalatoris is so immensely talented and so consistent regardless of where he's been. One of the things I like about Will coming into this week, I don't worry too much about his lack of experience. Think about the the breadth of places Will Zalatoris has had to play over the last 18 months, whether it was, you know, working his way through the Corn Ferry Tour and then basically seamlessly jumping into the PGA Tour. Different venues. I know the crowds weren't necessarily the same as if you broke on a on tour, but the fact that he's been able to go to a ton of places he's never seen before and has had a lot of success young, young in his career, early in his career, um, I, I do like him. I don't, I don't necessarily think fading him is, is something you have to do based on a lack of experience, but you know, Connors and Zalatoris were the, those were the two names that popped in my head in terms of really good iron players who may not jump out on the very front of the sheet of odds. Well, and you can look at Will Zalatoris and, and try a top debutante, uh, play he's available right now on FanDuel plus one ten, which is just a tiny bit better than even money. And he's up against Carlos Ortiz and Bob McIntyre, Robert McIntyre from uh, Scotland. I mean, there's a couple other um, first timers on here, but I think those are the main competition. Do you like Zalatoris at that number? It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it's, it's generous enough. It doesn't feel like a ton of value. I usually don't like betting chalk like that in, in categories in that regard. Um, I think you can make an argument for McIntyre. Um, think about all the lefties that have had really good success at Augusta National. Something about that shot shape. You might be able to find some value there. Guy played really well at an Open Championship a couple of years ago. Um, and I think there might be an American audience that isn't too aware of his, you know, how good that guy is. You know, he played pretty well at match play. Um, I would probably lean value there and go with McIntyre in terms of first timers. But just think about what we saw in November in terms of guys making their debuts. Sungjae um, and, I mean, Unbelievable. Best score, best finish ever by a first-timer. Best best finish by a first-timer in a long time. The best score ever by a first-timer. But like I was saying, I think McIntyre might be the play there in terms of value. So I I do want to make sure we're going to hit the big guys. You know, um, we could spend many, many minutes on on each of the big guys. But um, we touched on a couple of guys already that um, maybe folks don't have, you know, in kind of their mainstream research and Corey Connors, although Corey Connors had a top 10 in November, so he's not sneaking up on, on anybody top 10 at the masters. Um, I'm interested. We, we, you, you always have one name kind of in your, in your pocket of like a European kind of guy or somebody that may have played and made the cut one time um, previously, but not really anybody on the radar, is there is, who, who's your in the pocket guy um, as we enter this week? It's like you know me, House. You're, like, you're looking at my notes. <laughs> we, we, we've done this before, I believe, my friend. A time or two, yeah. So I've got a guy, he's made five starts at the Masters. He's made the cut all five times. I've seen him at 350 to one. I don't necessarily like him to win, 
Bern Wiesberger is really interesting to me. Mm. Guy who hasn't had a great year so far in terms of splash, splashy finishes, but I talked about the importance of strokes gained approach. He's averaged more than half a stroke per round on approach play in 2021 across the European and PGA tours. He hasn't had a big finish. I think if he broke through and, you know, like a Victor Perez shot 65 and won a tournament on the European tour, I think his odds would be very different this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I might put a flyer on him to win, but nothing nothing too serious. But I like him in terms of the top 20, top 10 maybe. You know, there's always, like you said, there's always a European player that seemingly comes out of nowhere, whether it was Soren Kelton a couple years ago, Jonas Blixt in 2014. Um, always seems like there's a guy. And I think Bern Wiesberger might be that guy this week, a guy who has been in the final pairing of a major championship back in 2014 when Rory won at Valhalla. Um, five for five making the cut. Not too many guys in Masters history, it's 20 or so, can can say that they've been perfect with five or more starts. Do you have any data to suggest what happens to a player who's sleep deprived from a new baby and doesn't get to Augusta until Wednesday? What do we think of John Rahm? I think it could go one of two ways. I think there could be, look, you're going to hear the term nappy factor a thousand times, you know, we just overdo it, right? It did. We kept waiting for the McElroy bump. It never came. It just became a topic of conversation. Right. Yeah. So I think there could be because maybe there was this sense of I might not be able to play and then the baby comes early and maybe there's a positive. I I think it it could be one of two things. It could be a big event in your life and it kind of takes over and overwhelms or it could be a thing where, look, John Rahm has has had a great record at the Masters so far. And this is that missing piece that kind of ties it all together. But as a data guy, I can't tell you anything reliable in terms of um, sleep deprivation, <laughs> the baby bump, the baby family. Family. Yeah. yeah, but but let, please do go ahead and share some of his resume because I he's my one A for pick of the week. I mean, this is going to be a very chalky kind of of uh, masters for me. And the one thing, the one trend that I am going to buck with with the way I'm feeling about this masters is you know uh, eight of the last ten came in priced at 16 to one or, or, or higher, which is just a, a amazing, right? The, the top priced guys in this thing, the guys that you, when you get down into the 12 to one or 10 to one or eight to one, don't tend to win the masters. He's, he's presently available at, I think uh, like 11 to one or so. So he, 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 he bucks that trend, but you know, it's because his resume is impeccable at the masters. Yeah, top 10 finish each of the last three years. 31 under par here the last three years. The only player better is Dustin Johnson. He's fifth in strokes gained tee to green since he made his debut at the Masters. He's third in strokes gained off the tee. My biggest stat for John Rahm going into the week, the last four years he's tied for first in par five scoring. Speaks to how well he's driven the ball at this golf course. He's 158th in par three scoring. So I think that if he just figures that out, I don't know what it is, long irons, something like that into those par threes, mid irons. Um, he flips the script on that on the par three struggles. Then he's, I mean, that's, that I think is. House, I'm terrified of him. I'm terrified I, of the baby situation. I, and he's not going to be, he's just getting there tonight. He's going to have one day to look at the course. But he, he knows this golf course. He's very, very comfortable on it. It's apparent. Did you hear the stats that JR just shared with you? He's very comfortable at, at Augusta, Georgia, at the Augusta National Golf Club. The other thing too with Rom. He has his approach play hasn't been particularly spectacular at the Masters. He's been good, but a lot of his strokes he's been gaining off the tee. He's kind of played below his ceiling in terms of approach play at the Masters. I think that when he hits 
the next level there, uh, he's going to be really difficult to beat. I like Rock. We talk about this as, as obviously second shot golf course, but there are some interesting stories through the years of winners who really thought long and hard about the driver and whether it was Phil playing two drivers the year that it came through this year, we have Bryson with some fucking mystery club <laughs> in the bag <laughs> that has like some more stuff on the toe. I, I mean, is it possible? Like in a lot of the, you know, picks that are going around the internet, Bryson's not up there. It's not that he's underrated this go round, but because of the train wreck that he had there in November, it feels like people are staying away. How do you, how do you see him in this moment? New driver and all. I'm with the rest of the interwebs, man. I'm fading him this week, big time. Um, I think bigger for me uh, is his putting struggles he's had at Augusta National. This is a guy who relies as heavily as anybody on the green reading books, and they don't exist at the Masters. They're not, they're not out there. So um, since he made his debut, he's of 76 qualified players. He is 70th in strokes gained putting. I mean, that's not going to get it done. And mm. you know he can drive it as far as he wants here. Um, he led the field in strokes gained off the tee in November at the Masters, and it didn't result in him contending. Uh, the thing with Bryson is everyone's fascinated by the distance off the tee, but if you think about Wingfoot, Bay Hill, the advantage came from his ability when hitting into penalizing rough to have wedges and nine irons into greens Moving and through there so fast angles yeah. where other guys are hitting sixes, sevens, fives, whatever it might be. And there's just no penalizing rough here. And he doesn't, that advantage isn't going to exist. So um, I, I'm kind of, I'm fading Bryson, especially as high as he is on the board. Now, if he went out and, and put up a zillion birdies and, and broke the course, I mean, I don't think anyone would be overly shocked, but I just don't see the advantages that were inherent at Wingfoot or at Bay Hill. They're just not there at Augusta National. One of the conversations we had going into November was around the price available for Dustin Johnson because he, um, after he he, uh, won the tour championship, he went sort of quiet for a little bit and, you know, there was some injury question or whatever. And his price going into the masters trended up over 10 to one up into the 12 to 14 to one range. And and it just felt like incredible value. There's a guy I'm looking at right this second who I, I just can't believe this price is available for him. I don't know the last time, maybe you do, that he was available. Rory McIlroy is available at 19 to one to win the masters. Now, look, I know the struggles. I didn't like the press conference. He's been public about it. (laughs) 19 to one Jr. Yeah. uh, I can't remember another time either where Rory's been 19 to one going into a major championship. I can't remember the last time it happened. I mean, it was like JT going into the players. Yeah. A little bit. Look, if I'm going to stick to my guns on the approach play thing though, that's been the biggest weakness for McElroy over the last 18 months has been the strokes gained approach numbers, the greens and regular, all the metrics through the bag with his irons, they're all down. And I think he knows it. And I think it's going to take time working with Pete Cowan to get everything dialed back in. Um, even at 19 to one, I'm not crazy about it. Now he's got Q Island on the horizon where of course he's had success. Maybe that's more of a realistic timeline working with Cowan and getting geared up for the PGA championship. But um, it would be amazing that 10 years after he nearly won the Masters, if he completed the Grand Slam, there'd be something poetic about that. We talk about him being a new dad too. Um, but yeah. in terms of just pure numbers and analytics, I mean, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of fading him this week. I'm not. He big scared on me off. He scared me off in the press conference this morning, talking about the long journey that he's a part of, and this week matters, but it's about something bigger and longer than that. That was different than than what we hear from some of the other guys. So, it, if you're going to stick to your guns on shots gained, why is Morikawa not a bigger part of the conversation? I think it's purely just based on the way he played in November. Um, I, I actually like him. We did a snake draft on actionnetwork.com, um, and I took Morikawa because if you are committed to the theory that approach play is the most important factor at Augusta National, Kyle Morikawa is first on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. Right. Since he joined the tour, he's basically it's basically him and JT are the two best iron players in the world. Um, I think there's a lot of value there in Colin Morikawa this week. I know that um, he didn't play particularly well in November, but that doesn't really scare me away a whole lot. The guy is as immensely talented as he is, as prolific a winner as he is. His general mind state, too, going into major championships, you know, you hear the kid talk, and it's like talking to somebody 10 years older than he really is. Um, so the lack of experience doesn't really scare me away. The initial, you know, he faded a little bit after he won a major championship. Okay, he's 23, and he didn't, you know, keep that keep a tiger run going after he won a major. I mean, I'm not too scared away by that either. But like I said, if you're committed to strokes gain approach being the biggest factor, which I am, then you got to like Morikawa some going into the week. I want to ask you about the two guys that tied for second back in November. It feels like to me, and maybe uh, I'm wrong about this and there's no way to really test it. The muscle memory of having played very well, very successfully just a, a short period ago feels like it should translate um, for, for these two. And they're both both young guys. I'm talking about Cam Smith and Sung J.M., both of whom have su- success after the Masters as well. Some some decent you know finishes for both of those guys. How are you sizing up um, the, 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 the potential fortunes of, of Cam Smith and Sung Jae? Now, I'm... I'm- if I'm comparing two players, I'm probably a little higher on Cam Smith um, because, you know, if he doesn't have that terrible third round at concession, I think we're talking about him in a much different light. He's got a high finish at a WGC. Um, you know, I, I think we just kind of view him a little bit differently going into the championship. Sungjae, I think, might be impacted by the different way the course plays. Um, mm-hmm. If it plays a lot tougher, I think, you know, I'm a little more concerned with his short game isn't as good as Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith isn't. Excellent short game, really good putter. Sungjae's strength of his game, you know, is tee to green, is his iron play. And his numbers weren't great on the Florida swing, a place where he played awesome last year. So um, as as much as I love watching, he's one of my favorite players to watch, Sungjae M, but I'm not real high on him this week. I'd actually probably pick Hideki if I'm if you're doing a low uh, player from Asia bet. I'd mm. probably Matsuyama there. But, yeah, there's probably um, some value there. Yeah, that's more of what I'm looking at there in terms of value. Um, but you know, Cam Smith has two top fives at the Masters. He has a top five when the conditions were a little more difficult. We've seen some of the miracle recovery shots the guys hit, you know, and I, I don't know, man. I think that mullet might be worth like a quarter of a stroke around. <laughs> at least. Can you imagine that mullet and a green jacket on his shoulders? Dude looks like, I mean, he'd really look like Larry Bird with a green jacket on his shoulders <laughs> with the blonde mullet and the mustache going. I mean, no, but I, Cam Smith's game, I think, is more he's a little more inconsistent than Sung Jay, but I think that, that Pete Cam Smith is a little more reliable in terms of what types of golf courses he could find success on. I like it. Well, speaking of inconsistency, the Jordan Spieth 
experience rolls into Augusta this week. And we got to get your take on this because he is striking the ball as well as ever. He's on that list of guys who are striking at the best right now. But really, I think when you statistically look at his driving accuracy, it's not good. Now, this is the course you want to be on if it's not good. But the other data point that is scary is that not a lot of guys win the week before and come out and do it here. So so talk us, are you in or are you out on Spieth and, and make the case one way or the other? So I'm in. I'm totally in. I think that if you just looked at the last, take the last five months of Jordan Spieth's performance, statistically, remove the name. He's player X, and you're looking at his finishes, his numbers, his scoring average, and I like him a lot. This is... yeah. It, He's got all the things you're looking for in terms of trending, in terms of iron play. Okay, now add the fact that he's Jordan Spieth, and he has the best scoring average in the history of the Masters and he has, with among players of 20 more rounds. And he's second in strokes gained total to Ben Hogan. And he's already led nine Masters rounds in his career, and he's only 27 years old. Um, since the new year, he's third on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. Since the Phoenix Open, he's even better. A, sh- a shot and a quarter, 1.3 shots per round on approach he's gaining on the field. I- I'm really high on him. And I know that the win last week might have scared you away, but do you feel better if he shoots? No. Uh, he did not seem to expend a lot of emotional energy in that win. It was a really sleepy, kind of easy win. It didn't yeah. feel like there was a ton. I mean, Charlie Hoffman got close, but it wasn't really anything where it felt like, you know, like if you're watching a baseball broadcast, they'll talk about high impact innings, you know, like he's got 85 pitches, but he's kind of cruised. That's kind of, how I feel like Jordan Spieth's week was last week. Um, mm. and look, it's happened before Phil won the bell South by a million in 2006 and went and won the next week at the masters. So, um, I don't think that like there's a big victory hangover for Jordan. I know it was his first win in a long time, but He's focused on the big ones and I'm, I'm all in on him this week, man. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a ticket on him to win and a top 10. So JR, we, we love to talk about uh, storylines. We love narratives. We are rooting for the very best story. What if it was Jordan Spieth standing there Sunday afternoon at three o'clock and his very good buddy, his, his Baker's Bay buddy, Justin Thomas standing right next to him in the tee box. I heard that. Now we haven't seen them together in a few years, Nate dog. I don't know, man. Maybe there was a, a little bit of a, a chill in the air because Jay Jordan couldn't keep up with JT, but look, you just went through a bunch of superlatives around Jordan Spieth's impeccable record at Augusta national. Justin Thomas is no slouch. No. And Justin Thomas is universally. He's my pick to win. Um, I picked him in November and he nearly did it. You just look at his finishes at the Masters, his career, 39th, 22nd, 17th, 12th, then fourth. He's getting better year by year. He leads all players in strokes gain approach at the Masters the last three years. If you like traditional stats a little bit more, he leads all players in greens and regulation at the Masters the last three years. For my money, he is the best iron player on the planet. Um, I think he breaks through and wins this week. He's a guy, um, he's my favorite to win. Um, I know that the only guy to win at Sawgrass and at Augusta in the same year is Tiger in 2001. I think 20 years later, I think it might be a perfect circle there. And, and we see Justin Thomas do it as well. Um, if I got to pick between those two guys, it hurts, but I'll pick JT. You want to even better? How about, how about if Rory McIlroy is in the group behind him charging? <laughs> only if he's with Dustin Johnson. Uh, let's just pin it, you know. Hogan and Palmer and Tiger are right behind him too while you're at it. You <laughs> Does know, just, starting time matter? 
I mean, Spieth and Morikawa are off dead last on Thursday. Does it matter out there? I mean, it, in severe, in big weather situations, I'd say it does. But right now, today, no, I don't think it matters particularly that much. Um, I think that uh, greens don't get beat up enough. You don't think it doesn't? It doesn't matter when they get. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think for for guys of that caliber, it's, it's a big it's a big deal at all. I mean, if if we get into a situation where I look at it way more at the Open Championship, where you can get crazy wind changes. Yeah. And you look at like a 2010, Rory went out in like gale force winds after he shot 63, and shot like 80 in round two. Much more of an impact there than I think in Augusta National. Well, I, I want to uh, tell you guys a little personal anecdote. One of the things in my own experience over the years, I've been fortunate enough to get down there and check things out. And uh, maybe like, I don't remember which trip, uh, maybe 2016. Um, I was out there late in the afternoon. So I like to go to the practice rounds late after most crowds have left because you can walk the backside right and there them. aren't very many people. And and it's interesting to see the players that are playing at that time because that twilight hour is when guys who have ambition and aspiration to be playing on Sunday in the twilight, they want to see what the place looks like. Now, this was a young guy. It was Daniel Berger who was out there grinding. I can't remember the year. It could have been 16. Maybe it was uh, 17, 18. I don't remember now. But he's out there grinding at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and I love to see it. So, Nate, to your question about you know those guys going off, I just think it sets them up. You know, here's it's the same Thursday to Sunday, perfect uh, circle for 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 those guys. But Jr., I want to I want to talk about Daniel Berger uh, because I, I I mentioned him. Um, what what the, he kind of fits in that same category to me as somebody like Corey Connors, where you have some good uh, uh, metrics backing up the good play over the last handful of months. Uh, we saw what he did at at, at Pebble. Not a huge correlation between winning at Pebble and then the, the the Masters. But what about a guy in that kind of class? Uh, what about what about Daniel Berger? I will say, though, you say not a big correlation between Pebble and Augusta, but Pebble Beach is a course where you can miss the fairway and still find success. The rough okay. is particularly penalizing, and I think that's something that, you know, the two courses share. Berger, so he's not the longest guy in the world. I know he's young, and he's got, he's got a great swing, great iron game. Not the longest player in the world. I think this is one of the major championships year in, year out. You don't have to be the longest player. Um, like we talked about, it's one with your irons. It's one with making clutch putts. Um, he can hit it. I mean, he hit a long oh, yeah. no, he's not approach short. on 18 I, I, on Pebble. Short. I'm saying he's yeah, not yeah. Rory, Bryce, and DJ in terms of length. For sure. And I think that this, compared to like a U.S. Open, where it may be more significant to, to be longer, um, I don't think it hurts him as much. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy to look at. He hasn't had a ton of uh, you know big finishes at the Masters, but – um, he's definitely got the statistical profile in terms that he doesn't really have any weaknesses. And statistically, that's kind of been reflective of what he's done. He's also a guy who can get hot and consistent. He's got those streaks of rounds at par or better that have lasted for 25, 26, 27 rounds each of the last two seasons. So um, he's a guy He's pretty relatively low on the board. I see him right now between Morikawa, maybe right on par with like Paul Casey, Tony Finau. Um, that could, and it seems like you get some good value there for him. Well, we've talked about all the guys in the top 15, except a handful here. And I think the reason we haven't talked about these, these handful of guys, Xander Shoffley, Terrell Hatton, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland. Those are all guys who have not won a major before 
there are some amazing ball strikers in that handful of guys. Cantley was on fire in Austin. I don't know whether that carries over, but of that group, are there any that stand out as people who have a chance this week? So I'll, I'll start on the reverse end of that. The one guy who worries me most is Tyrrell Hatton because he has four missed cuts in the last... Yeah, he's been months. flicking off his ball all, all of <laughs> yeah. March. Just well, tell him it's 11 o'clock, double cuts. barrel. His missed cuts are the majors and the players. I mean, so he's had a lot of success in some significant events in Europe. Of course, he won Bay Hill last year, but he's a guy who I've got to kind of see it in a major to believe it. If I've got to pick between I'm I'm between Cantley and Shoffley, I probably pick Cantley just because he's so consistent and like you said, he played really well um, at uh, the match play. He had that great final round when Tiger won in 2019. Xander's interesting to me because um, he's a guy who you know he's he's had some good finish, some good finishes. He plays his best golf in the major championships, right? Seeing how well he's played at. U.S. Open, he's had some good finishes at the Masters. One thing I like about Xander, too, is that he's played really well on golf courses with a lot of uneven lies in the fairways. Um, it's one of the – they're two very different places. But Kapalua, you've got a lot of different iron shots where the ball's below or above your feet, and that's a lot of what you see at Augusta National, too. Yeah, so there's some correlation there, um, and I like the way Xander's played on those golf, types of golf courses before. So, um, you know, I'm positive on him in, in that regard, too. but. I probably lean Cantlay among that group. Feels like Xander's way up in his head still. He, yeah. He's putting a lot of pressure on himself to try to get one of these things done. And and I, I just wonder if it's working adversely against him. How do you feel about him, House? Oh, I, 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 I'm already... I, I have all this work over here on top five, Tony. Xander's fine. Xander's going to top 10. Go ahead and bet Xander to top 10. That's fine. Okay. I don't want to... I mean, What's your top you 10 know. Tony work? I just have this 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 thing. We keep coming back to top 10 Tony, top 5 Tony. Once again, the average age of the Masters winner, 32 years old. Tony Finau right now, 31, will be 32 in September. The average place over the last 10, I don't know, maybe even longer, in the official world golf rankings of the Masters winner is 13th. That's Guess where what he is. Tony Finau is ranked the, exactly. So, God damn it, JR, we keep coming back to top five Tony, and boy, was he impressive at Riv. He burned the house down to come from way back and, and catch Homa, and Homa had the chance to close the door on him on, on 18 and didn't do it, um, and so the lingering image is of Tony missing a seven-footer to win at Riv, but he, he, he's so gosh darn close. The only concern I'd have looking at Tony, I think that his best golf, he probably peaked about three months too early. Uh -huh. Look at that stretch where yeah, he American was just Express, unstoppable. He really was. Second at Tory, second in Saudi, second at Riv, where he probably should have won the golf tournament. Mm -hmm. Since then, decent finish at Workday, 14th, but then miscut, 28th, miscut. So okay. I don't put a ton of stock, like I was saying, in like San Antonio per se, but he's not the same guy he was three months ago in terms of form. And I don't know, I, I'm kind of leaning away from Tony this week. I'm fully prepared for him to make me look like an ass, but I, <laughs> I've got it. I can't pick everyone. So no, uh, you, you, you can't. We've been talking now for 41 minutes and we've only made reference to this gentleman as in a couple of passing comments. 
He is the number one ranked player in the world and the defending champion. Why are we overlooking Dustin Johnson? He shouldn't be overlooked, that's for sure. I mean, there's no there's no reason for him to be. I know that, you know, we talked about how difficult it is to defend at any major championship, especially at this one. Only three guys having gone back to back. But you know, Dustin's body of work at the Masters is significant over the last five or six years. He went the first seven, eight years or so not being a factor at Augusta, but the last five years, he has the best score to par, best strokes gained. His tee to green numbers are through the roof. Like every category you can think of at the Masters the last five, six years, he's the best player at, at Augusta during that span. So um, there's no reason to look past him. I don't like betting favorites. It just uh, The value just all, isn't there usually unless you're talking about, you know, maybe a, a tournament with a weaker field. I, I tend to think that. There's just so much quality golf and so many different possibilities that can happen. I think you can find value in other places, but in terms of guys you need to look out for, yeah, Dustin Johnson's still that dude. (laughs) He's still part of the equation. His last five starts in the Masters, 49 under par, five straight top 10, scoring average of 69. I mean, you can't can't go beyond, too far beyond him when looking at guys who might win. Well, and the thing that that has been his challenge in some of these other events coming into this is he looks like he's tinkering with driver a little bit. He's missing fairways all of a sudden. But, you know, we, we've talked about it a couple times already. Missing fairways at Augusta isn't necessarily fatal. No, no, it's not. And you look at how well he hit his irons at the uh, Masters he won in November. It's 60 greens in regulation. I mean, he tied Tiger's greens in regulation record from 01. Um, he was just absolutely, I mean, he was great through the bag. You can't, you know, win by five at 20 under without being awesome. at just about everything. But um, his strokes came off the tee numbers. If you look at them, they're not as strong as they were at his peak. Um, his distance is a little bit down relative to some of the newer guys, Champ, DeChambeau, et cetera. He's still awesome off the tee. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, he, he is closer to 40 than 30 at this point. So maybe that's something that's in the back of his mind, tinkering around that driver. If you have to pick one sandwich that you eat while watching the Masters, what is it going to be, JR? I know the famous ones, egg salad, pimento cheese. I'm going off the board. Peach ice cream. Yeah. Have yeah. you had that thing? Yes. My goodness. It's otherworldly. It's a whole different thing. And I'm not even a sweets kind of fella. I'm not either. I prefer my calories, my sugar to come distilled in a small glass. Oh, yes. But but that peach ice cream sandwich, oh, unbelievable. We missed out on ordering in the, the food, you know, the taste of the Masters. Um, they had that in November. Nate and I missed out on the order. You had to do it two weeks ago, but they were not shipping the ice cream sandwich. So the best thing you can do is try and make your own replica you did mention just now uh the, an alcohol thing do you have a drink of choice as we as we go through this i know you're a beer guy yeah yeah no i'm beer um since i moved back to texas i've been on a little bit of a tequila kick okay yes yeah. yeah so you know i like a i like a I, I sound like such a amateur but the rocks tequila is actually really good <laughs> oh, it's yeah. wonderful! Oh, yeah! By the way, it's really good. I, I'm I'm one of the seven zillion people who follow on Instagram, and I was the sucker. Like, yeah, I'll try this, and I've had a few bottles of it now. It's really good. So. Okay, well, there we go. Now, look, I, I I mentioned to Nate. Have you heard of this one? The unofficial drink, and apparently, back in the day, that you they would drink this out on the uh, the veranda. The azalea. Are you? Do you know this drink? The azalea. 
I've heard of it. I'm I don't I couldn't make it off memory though. It's gin or vodka, your choice, depending on what kind of human being you are. Uh in a quantity, the recipe calls for two ounces, but that's not enough. And then you get a little pineapple juice in there, a little lemon juice in there, and then some grenadine. So to get that beautiful pink color, it might trend a little sweet. So I have a couple of strategies for taking down. The sugar content of that one, but look, you know, you just uh, change the, you just change your gin content or your vodka content. That's oh, exactly that's right. It. Yeah, up it that way. Well, I think we're going to be uh, well prepared. This this is another outstanding uh, lineup of, of Tour de insights, force from guidance. JR. Uh, always, always, always. Uh, will there be a hole in one this week? Multiple holes in one. Multiple gonna, holes in one. I'm four four times in the last. This is one of my favorite bets of the week. Four times in the last ten years, we've had multiple aces. I think with the, the crowds coming back, it just feels right. It feels like I know it's not full crowds, but you want some roars. Let's. I think two aces. So one of my favorite bets. I've seen some good numbers on it. Is multiple holes in one. And who doesn't want to root for that all week? Come on, B- big ticket. You are our ace. Always a pleasure having you here on Fairway Rolling during a major week, especially when that major is the Masters. Thank you, my friend. We'll be reading all of your stuff on The Athletic. We'll be looking for your stuff on Action Network, thepgatour.com, and just get on on your Twitter feed. You can find everything that JR has to say as the week plays out. Thanks, boys. I really appreciate you having me. All right, my Eagle enthusiast, there you have it. Our enormous gratitude to Chris Vernon. Make sure you check out his master updates on Thursday and Friday. And as always, the big ticket, Justin Ray. We love Justin Ray. Check out all his stuff. My par saving pals, we will be back Sunday evening right after the green jacket goes on somebody's shoulder. So that show will be up if you're willing to stay up late Sunday night into early Monday. And I'm going to tease a tiny bit. There is a a distinct possibility that Nate and I jump into a Twitter space, perhaps Saturday moving day. We might be doing some moving of our own. Now we'll, we will properly uh, promote this on Saturday if it comes to pass, but I just wanted to have everybody have something to think about as the tournament gets serious Saturday into Sunday. But I can't wait, my par saving pals, to talk to all of you Sunday night after the green jacket is on some new guy's shoulders. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.